Okay, our next message will be brought to us by Mr. Matthew Steele. It is entitled, Where is the Truth? Good afternoon, everyone. I think, uh, I think everybody will agree with me. I really enjoyed uh, Mark's message earlier. And one of the things that struck me, I hadn't really thought about it before, but that, um, that moment when Gideon broke down the, the altar and the image, uh, you know, it, it kind of made me chuckle that he did it at night. You know, I, I hadn't really like, focused on that. But then it got me wondering, what is that for us? If God was to ask us to go tear down the altar of the false worship, the um, the gods of this world, what would that look like? And I was thinking about that in, in the light of my message, because this may be, what I'm going to talk about, may be some of the areas in which we are called to pull down those false altars and those false idols and so on. So I just, I really appreciated what Mark had to say. Earlier this week, I watched a video, and you may have heard of this guy. I had not. Uh, his name was Zach Voorhees. Anybody heard of Zach Voorhees? I might not be pronouncing it right. Uh, he is the latest Google whistleblower. You ever heard of any of the Google whistleblowers? Maybe? No? I hadn't re- heard, of it, heard of him before either, but fascinating interview. Um, so he, uh, he came across almost about a thousand documents in Google that were he, work, he was working for, for Google, so he was inside the corporate environment. And he came across about a thousand documents that ultimately he released into the public sphere uh, after first, firstly sending them to uh, a particular um, kind of uh, fact-finding group, a nonprofit called Veritas or Veritas Project, something like that. And then he also delivered them eventually to the Department of Justice which has initiated investigations into Google and other internet entities. What he found Google doing undermines the integrity of every internet search you have made. That's a pretty bold statement, right? What he has found out that Google was doing has undermined the integrity of any internet search that you have made. Using a cleverly devised process, series of processes, including artificial intelligence and machine learning. Now, I don't know if you've heard of those things, but, you know, AI is, right, where the computer is making decisions, an artificial intelligence. And machine learning is a process whereby human beings go through a series of either images or words, documents, whatever it may be, and tell the computer what this is. And over time, it will learn what things are, and then using an artificial intelligence can figure out other documents that it's not been shown before, or other images that it's not been shown before what they are. Now, that's beneficial for lots of reasons. In fact, there's a, there's a group of people at, at where I work experimenting with artificial intelligence to identify objects and pictures so that you can do something with that information. So there's a lot of good benefits from artificial intelligence and machine learning. But what Google did was use these processes to curate, and probably are continuing to do so, to curate the search results that you are getting. Now you may think, well, of course they, they can do that. But they're doing that in an environment where we think that we're searching and we'll get results wherever that search is found, right? That there is no bias, that we are just getting the results of the search. But what they're doing is curating the results in such a manner as to limit or exclude search results that do not align with the company's internal political or social ideology. So if results come up that do not align with 
how the leadership of Google sees the world, they're going to be a little further down the list or maybe excluded completely. In addition to manipulating the search results, they also conspire to alter language and content of descriptions and meanings of words, in some cases, to try and reinterpret what meanings, what words and the meanings that were, were used on those words. Specifically, spoken by politicians. And guess who their number one target was? The President of the United States, of course. Regardless of what you think of his politics, that's a very dangerous thing to do, isn't it? What Voorhees found in an openly available documentation on Google servers was a targeted campaign to ensure that Donald Trump would not be reelected to the presidency. <laughs> and some may cheer. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, so let me just make that clear. But do we want a search engine telling us what information we can have access to to make our political decisions? They also had outright blacklists that contained many different website domains that were simply banned from coming up in the search results. And I looked at the list. And not surprisingly, there were a number of Christian websites. Just run-of-the-mill Christian websites. Conservative, yes. But nonetheless, they weren't terrorist organizations. They weren't promoting violence. They were just not in alignment with the philosophy and the worldview of Google. For he said that the internal project team working on this AI and this machine learning and this, this censorship project called themselves the Derrida team. Have you guys heard of Derrida? I had not heard of Derrida. The Derrida team named after an influential philosopher, Jacques Derrida, who is considered to be one of the fathers of postmodernism. Specifically, he developed the concept of deconstruction. Now, if you go do an internet search, don't use Google, if you go do an internet search and you look at deconstruction, <clears throat> if you can understand it, come back and tell me what it really means. Because, well, let me just say what Wikipedia says it means. Deconstruction is a pro an approach to understanding the relationship between text and meaning. Okay, that doesn't sound too bad. It was origi originated by uh, Jack Derrida, who lived from 1930 to 2004, who conducted readings of texts looking for things that run counter to their intended meaning or structural integrity. The purpose of deconstruction is to show that the usage of language in a given text and language as a whole are irreducibly complex, unstable, or impossible. So, the text itself can be unstable, irreducibly complex, or impossible. In my limited understanding of what I could gain from this, it is that deconstruction, this deconstruction approach, Derrida argues, is that words don't mean what they think, what we think they mean, and can be changed or reinterpreted, presumably according to the predisposed position, right, of the interpreter. Well, Matt didn't really mean what he said. What he meant was this other thing. Well, when you introduce that, can you not just say it meant something completely different or opposite? Of course. And of course, that is also what Google and this team was doing, and presumably still doing, and using this person's name for their team. What does that tell you about what they think about words and language and truth? That it can be changed, reinterpreted. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to help you understand what they really meant 
instead of just listening to the voice of the author. Google's motto used to be, does everybody know Google's motto? Anybody? Don't be evil. That was actually their founding motto. Don't be evil. And they used that uh, for many years. And it is kind of still in their culture a little bit. But when they reorganized uh, into the Alphabet company, which is now over Google, kind of a Google is a subsidiary of Alphabet now. When they reorganized, they kind of changed it to do the right thing. It's not the same, is it? That is not the same as don't be evil. Because the right thing is more subjective. Because what's right today might not be right tomorrow, as we've seen very rapidly in our culture about changing perceptions and understanding of what right and wrong are. Don't be evil. Well, if we could invite uh, Zach uh, Voorhees here and ask him what he thinks of the Google motto, I wonder what his response would be. So after he made these documents available to a couple of different sources and sent it to the DOJ, um, I guess, you know, even though he was hidden on an interview, you know, kind of the darkened out, um, I don't know if they altered his voice, but they, they hid his image. Even though he was blacked out on that video, they still figured out that it was him. And he left the company right around the time that the video came out. He was, of course, threatened with legal action. He was hounded with letters from Google demanding the return of the materials. Well, okay, you kind of expect that, right? But then he became so much in fear of his life because of what they were doing. Trolling him on his you know, online accounts, trying to paint him as a crazy guy, uh, you know, trying to undermine, obviously, anything that he's saying to the world about what Google was doing. He got to the point where he was in fear for his life. And so he figured, I need to make myself a public figure. I can't be just an unknown out here. So he determined to release all the materials and then do a public interview where everybody could see his face. Because if you got rid of when you're in the public, at least somebody will ask some questions, right? And that may sound crazy. And at first I'm thinking, this, it's an internet company. I mean, it's not like the mafia, right? I mean, or, or you're going against, you know, Edward Snowden. I mean, if he didn't come out in public, yeah, he probably would not be with us today, right? Because CIA and NSA, they do engage in unfriendly activity the people that reveal their secrets. But Google? Well, before he published all those documents, when Google still knew he, who he was, he posted it on Twitter, a little bit of a threat, kind of leave me alone, right, or else. He posted on Twitter that he had put a dead man switch in place, that if anything happened to him, everything else that he had would be released to the public, right? Well, Google are monitoring all of his feed, all of his social media. They call the San Francisco police and say, we're really concerned about the mental condition of one of our former employees. We'd like a wellness check, please, just to see if he's okay. We think he might hurt himself. Okay. Knock on the door. Two police officers show up at his friend's house because he gave Google a different address when he was leaving the company. <laughs> and so his friend was able to call him and say, hey, um, two police officers came looking for you. They're probably going to find you soon. They're going to look in their system and see where this guy lives, right? So he was prepared. So he barricaded himself in the house. He stayed in his bedroom, out of the way of the windows, and acted like nobody's home. Well, the police knock on the door, and they're banging on the door and just, you know, making a ruckus. And 
Then they noticed something that looked suspicious to them. Turns out to be some propellant, some fuel that was used by his roommate in some kind of magic show with the fire and the spinning fiery sticks and stuff like that. But it was considered to be dangerous. So they called in the bomb squad. And then they shut down the street. And then the FBI showed up and SWAT. And then he started to hear two helicopters circling above his house. And all the while he's hiding away in his bedroom playing video games. <laughs> well, his friend finally calls him and says, man, they got your street blocked off. He's like, oh, because he wasn't looking outside. He was just like, just go away. And you can listen to him on this, this interview. It's crazy. So eventually he comes out because, well, they're going to come in, right? Guns blazing. So he leaves his house, and you see him. There's a few pictures, and you can see the video online. His hand's in the air. <clears throat> they check, make sure he's not a threat. And then when they finally figure out and they can talk to him and he's not going to hurt them, the police realize, oh, yeah, you're the Google whistleblower. Okay. All right, well, uh, have a good day. And everybody leaves. And you've got to wonder what the bill was for all that activity and terrifying the neighborhood because they think, you know, there's some kind of terrorist across the street. This all happened to him. Makes you wonder about the power of corporations, doesn't it? Now, of course, you know, things can escalate, and police can sometimes escalate some things, and they shouldn't have. I don't know if Google intended for all that to happen. But it certainly made him a larger public figure by it happening, and probably protected him a little bit more. So he was released without charge, because he didn't do anything. Now, you might say, well, what does this have to do with us? Fun story. But what does it have to do with us? Well, there's a powerful scripture in Isaiah 59. And, you know, I feel like I've read this scripture a lot recently, and I apologize if we're going over the same material, but this just keeps coming back to me. And maybe we need to, to learn more about it. Isaiah 59, starting in verse 13. God says, in transgressing and lying against the Lord and in departing from God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street. And equity cannot enter, so truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. Now, you might say, well, the actions of one internet search company, one technology company, cannot condemn a whole people. And that's true. But I think a deeper question for us to ask is, why is it that a company like Google that was supposedly founded on the principle of don't do evil, thinks it's okay to do what they're doing. Where did the mind, where did the product of those minds come from? Why did they think that this was okay? Their employees, their managers, their directors, their executives, they've all come from the culture around them, haven't they? I mean, it's inescapable. We're born into a culture. We're born into a part of the world, whatever that may be, and culture changes around us, and we're influenced by it. And so are they. Our politicians as well, our philosophers, our medical and scientific researchers, our leaders in business, finance, they're all influenced and shaped by the world views culture around them, and by the political ideologies of the culture. How could they not be affected by what's going on around them? 
The fact that Google as a company thinks it's okay to manipulate search engine results to exclude content that they disagree with for the purpose of supporting a particular ideology, ideology is surely a product of the world that they live in. A world that Isaiah is describing. Think about some of the most divisive issues of our time. I'm not going to jump into them because everybody has a different opinion. Vaccinations, abortion, uh, gay marriage, homosexual lifestyle, whatever it may be. Some of the most divisive and fought over issues in the country that should be publicly debated in a so-called free society, right? Should be publicly available on one side and the other on whatever position you want to take, you can read all the material on it in a free society. But how can that happen if you're told by a search engine that they will give you the most appropriate results? They will give you the truth of the matter. It's just plain lying, isn't it? Now, it'd be different if they said, hey, we're a search engine, and we're never going to give you anything but what we believe is true. But that's not been how they presented itself. In fact, I forgot to write it down, but part of their statement about their, their mission that Google Search has is to make the world's information, to organize and make the world's information available to all. but only if they agree with it. I mean, is that any different, really, from burning books that you disagree with? That don't conform to the imagery of what the state upholds? But now we don't have a state actor doing it for us. We have corporations doing it for us. Now, perhaps our older generations might not seem the same level of danger because older generations, statistically speaking, get the news from the world around them from the traditional sources, right? From cable TV, from uh, the networks, and from newspapers. Everybody knows that they all have political leanings. It's just accepted. But the internet does not have that perception. You think that you can get to any position and any material on any position. But according to a 2017 study by Oxford University, 47% say that they go directly to websites and broadcasters or newspapers for their views. And like I say, you know where they sit on the political spectrum. But online, people increasingly find news via the various search. 20%, and social media, 25%, and the services offered by U.S.-based platform companies like Google and Facebook. So specifically, Google and Facebook are at the top of that list, 20% and 25%, respectively. They have become integral to how people find and access news all over the world, including in the U.K., some worry that the growing importance of these digital intermediaries might lead to the formation of echo chambers or filter bubbles, where people only get the information from a few sources that largely confirm their pre-existing views, a situation we should be familiar with in the UK given the proud tradition of partisan newspapers. It goes on to say a closer look at the evidence suggests that the situation may in fact be the opposite, at least People who get their news via search engines and or social media sites report using significantly more different sources of news than those who do not. Search engines and social media thus seem to lead people to a wider source of news than they would have used otherwise. Now there's a problem here. Does that seem to just contradict everything I said, right? But this is only true if search engines are not biased. And the study was assuming that search engines were not biased. And it was two, what, three years ago 
when it was done. And now we have subsequently really come to understand, and if you don't know this on social media, you really should, is that you are constantly fed material that you like, that you read. Oh, you read that? I'm going to give you some more of that, and some more of that. And it does create a bias bubble. It's done on purpose, so that you keep coming back for more. It's marketing. So thinking about Isaiah, and in the, the larger sense, that whole chapter, turning back to Isaiah 59 and, and verse 1, thinking about our culture today, we have to ask ourselves, what are we to believe? If we can't trust the search engine, how do we know we're getting all the search results so that we can look at all the information? If we can't trust the words that are online because they're being reinterpreted to mean something else, what are we to believe? If something is reported in the media and the people don't like it, what do they say now? What's the new word? Two words. What? Fake news. Right. Oh, that's, that's fake news. Oh, okay. Right, it's a whole new classification of news. It's fake news. I would argue most news has been fake news for a long time. But, but it's interesting. I've also now heard it at work. Instead of, well, I disagree with that view, uh, that's just fake news. It's just kind of a nice way of saying you're full of lies. Thanks a lot. You should call me a liar. I've heard people say it in all kinds of situations. Even if you have evidence to the contrary. It's fake news if you don't like it. So in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not, fe he will not hear for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. Now that's a big accusation, isn't it? God is saying nobody calls for justice. Nobody looks for truth. Now in the situation, the, the time period that Mark was talking about earlier with with Israel just steeped in idolatry. That was true. Are we not just like them in our culture, in our country? Nobody pleads for truth. What's the truth of a situation? Well, is, is truth even a real thing? The if the derivative view of words can be believed, then the word truth itself is suspect. Yeah, you can't know truth. That's not really what God meant. He says, they trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. The webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the acts of violence is in their hands. It's ironic, isn't it? I never really thought about this before. It might be just a, a coincidence. But, you know, there are many different technologies at the start of the Internet, different protocols, different ways of communicating information. And... The one that's become the most popular and the most successful of all those communications. What is it called? You go to a what page? A web page. The World Wide Web. I just talked about a web that entraps us and snares us. And you think about that in the light of the internet. Now it wasn't designed to be inherently evil. 
But what do we have today? We have a web of computer networks that connect web pages together where you can find every kind of vile language and imagery possible on the planet. Massive amounts of data that is not true with all kinds of partisan ideologies and hate. Pornography alone is a global web that traps millions and millions of people. Did God know what he was talking about when he was warning us about going down this road of catching ourselves in this web of lies and corruption that we have created? Then we have every other vice, don't we? Every twisted version of politics, philosophy, religion, everything from fundamental Muslim terrorism, radicalizing young people that are in that faith, all the way through to white Christian fundamentalism, radicalizing people in that world too. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. There are plenty of those platforms online. All kinds of evil. That's before you even get to the dark web. The off the books web. The secret web that you've got to have the right connections to get to. Where you can figure out how to blow people up. How to create bombs, booby traps. How to rip people off. You can buy credit card numbers. Whole criminal enterprise in there. On the web. If we don't all think about those things when we go online, we really should be. It is not a safe place. The internet is not a safe place. It's like going to, sometimes going to the worst parts of town, right? You wouldn't go there at night. In some parts, you wouldn't go there during the day. There are plenty of parts of the internet that are like that. And then this you know, maybe you're thinking, well, but they don't shed innocent blood. Well, terrorists do. And they use the internet to show the criminal activity that they've done, perpetrated against innocent people. We've all seen those images, unfortunately. And then also now we are facing this new phenomenon, aren't we, that our young people are dealing with. Cyberbullying of a level that is taking beautiful young men and young women and they're killing themselves because of this web that they get themselves trapped into. This social media cyber bullying. There is innocent blood. Believe you me. He said their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. And there's no justice in their ways. They've made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us. And we don't know peace. Not as a people. We have violent crime in all of our cities. And if it wasn't for the advancements of medical technology, the death rate would be beyond the daily death rate of Vietnam. I didn't know if you knew that. I read that in the book one time. And it's probably worse today. It says, like, we've got war zones going on in every city. And then what about us personally? Do we have peace? Psychologists are reporting that the people that are constantly online and in, in social media addicted to it have higher rates of depression and feelings of, and thoughts of suicide because they see everybody else's wonderful life and they're stuck in a nine to five barely making ends meet. And of course, nobody ever publishes anything that doesn't make them look good. And so you have this bias and thinking everybody else's life is easy. And I'm just the poor sap that is not living the good life. Do we have peace? I'm seriously thinking of 
ditching all social media. I've like blocked out so many of my crazy relatives. <laughs> They're all the ones who were begging me to get on there in the first place, and then now I'm like, what are you posting? You guys are nuts. Block, 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 block. Don't worry, they don't even know about this. They won't tune in. I have no worries about that. Therefore, justice is far from us. So if justice is far from us, if we are not knowing peace, then we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we walking a crooked path? Are we allowing ourselves to be sucked into the web of deception, of lies? Nor does righteousness overtake us. And we talked about that before. It's, it's like righteousness is trying to run after us, but it can't catch up. We're just headlong in the opposite direction. We look for light, but there's darkness for brightness. We walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes, and we stumble at noonday as at twilight. And we are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. A salvation, but it is far from us. Don't we get those thoughts when we see that there is another mass shooting? And we just groan. Why can we not solve this? It's the guns. It's the this. It's the that. Whatever the excuse is, it's the politicians. They can't agree. No. It's because the way of truth as a country, as a community, we have not followed, isn't it? That's why we don't have peace. We wander around like blind men, reaching out as though we have no eyes in the middle of the day, filled with all kinds of falsehood that blinds us from the truth. You know, that Oxford study, one of the things that just stunned me about that was that people actually think they get news from Facebook. I mean, they trust that Facebook is giving them news. Their algorithms are designed to feed content for the itching ears. Oh, you liked that? I'm going to give it to you again. Oh, you, you like that thing? It's designed to give you the things that either you get most fired up about or the things that you like the most. And they don't care either way. Who's experienced posting something that you thought was fine only to watch people that don't know each other but they're your friends go to war on your Facebook news feed? Now, maybe lots of you don't have Facebook. Probably a good idea. I've made that mistake. Something completely innocuous. Oh, this, yeah, this is probably interesting. Throw it out there. And they don't even know each other. In fact, some of these people are on opposite sides of the world. But they're mortal enemies now. Because they literally, and there's no civility. No civility. Ah, but what do I know? It's all fake news anyway. The Apostle Paul told us that this would be the case. He told us, and we're here. Second Timothy, chapter 4. Verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have Facebook ears. Itching ears. Which gives you what you want. Because you know what? It's all out there. Gives you what you want. At least Facebook does, not Google. They give you what they want. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. So one of my last remaining cousins that <clears throat> I see his feeds on, on Facebook, and I'm <laughs> getting ready to block him too, was <clears throat> basing life choices about how he's raising his child on the philosophy and the deep thoughts of Ricky Gervais. Have you heard of that guy? Unfortunately, he's British, so don't hold that against me. But, I mean, 
He's a comedian, okay? I don't really like him. He's kind of stupid. He's not very intelligent. But he had this video where he talks about the philosophy of, you know, we shouldn't put God in the category of telling our kids, don't run out into the street or don't touch that because it's hot. That's only the, that realm of education and that level of importance is only for true things. I mean, his philosophical structure itself was embarrassingly imbecilic. Any philosopher would destroy that. But people are accepting that. My cousin's quote was, oh, yeah, we kind of made, made the mistake with our first kid, but because they believe in God, we're going to correct that second. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves, and they will turn away. They will ease away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Yeah, it's kind of funny. People worry about their personal information being you know, used by Facebook and other social media platforms. And we should. But the biggest problem with that is how they farm our time. They're farming our life source. You know, realize that when we're stuck on these social media platforms and we're looking at the screen, all mobile now, they are farming us. Think all of those little people plugged into the matrix Right, getting the battery power, only what it ends up being is dollars. Because the more eyes on it, the more they charge for the advertising. So we're just providing them a farming material for their advertising revenue. That is something we should be worried about. Turning back to Isaiah 59, verse 12, he says, For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. And transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart, words of falsehood. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off. Truth, as we read earlier, is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. And that last, that last part there, if you depart from evil, you make yourself a prey. I mean, just ask, just ask our Google whistleblower. He made himself a prey. And, and if we post something on Facebook that speaks God's truth and reveals God's truth, I wonder what the response will be from some of our wider friends. And maybe you only have church friends on there and it's pretty safe. Chances are you probably don't. You probably have family members and, and others that are not in the church. One of the fundamental pillars, I think, of a, a healthy and functioning society is a shared understanding of what is true. We might have a difference of opinion, right? We might have a difference of opinion of what that truth means. But we have to have an understanding that truth is truth for us to have a healthy, functioning society. But now truth is replaced with opinion. If the truth, as I said earlier, does not fit with our narrative, then it's just fake news. And when you do replace truth, your opinion, Really, it's just a good old-fashioned lie, isn't it? The truth according to me. One of the things that Google did was to adjust the search results in response to a news article by a, a major newspaper on a tweet of what President Trump tweeted. And he used an Arabic word which meant, which meant I don't even remember what it meant now, it went, meant one thing. Well, after the news article came out, 
in which the news article claimed that it meant another thing, and ha-ha, look how uneducated Trump is, Google changed the search engine result to align itself with the newspaper and not with the original meaning of the word. <laughs> and so that's something else to look out for. I didn't know if you knew that, but if you just do a, a, a search, for, put in a word, the top part comes from Google's database and it says this is what it means, like a dictionary, not from another site. So keep that in mind. No truth. It's fungible. It's changeable. We can move it around. Justice, it says, is turned back. Righteousness stands far off, but truth is fallen in the street. Equity cannot enter. And I think the testimony of that witness, the whistleblower, shows us that. Anytime a whistleblower <laughs> blows the whistle, departs from evil, makes himself a prey. So what's the answer? What do we do about this? Well, what was missing for Israel? What was missing for the people who lived in darkness? When we find ourselves in darkness, when we find ourselves sucked into this addiction of social media and measuring our life against the so-called perfect lives that are, are out there on social media, we see our friends, which of itself is an untruth. Because again, nobody posts bad things, really. I mean, they may say they're having a difficult time with this or that, but then the picture shows them in some glamorous location drinking a martini. But there's real social media addiction. What do we do about that? How can we overcome that? I think Isaiah gives us part of the answer. And the answer for living in this world in general, it says, then the Lord saw it. He saw all of this, and it displeased him that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. And the coastline, coastlands, he will fully repay. Again, this is kind of coincidental maybe, but maybe not. Because when you think about the change in culture in the United States, where did it come from mostly? Where did this new cultural worldview that we have around us today, this new set of morals that we have today, where did that come from? The coasts. Isn't that interesting? You've got to take care of that. I don't know if that has something to do with immigration coming from the outside and making people more susceptible to that. I don't know. But he said the coastlands he will fully repay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we sing that song, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up, raise up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob. That is so powerful. Because even though God is on his way, he's put on his breastplate, he has his sword in his hand, and he's ready to bring judgment, right up to that moment, there is a room for repentance returning from transgression. This is the key for every single one of us. If we do not have peace in our life personally, we have to ask ourselves, is there a transgression that we need to turn from? Is there a restoration that we can look to, to God, to bring to us, that he will save us? For as, as for me, he says, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, with us, my spirit, who it, which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. There is a day coming 
when every search engine result will speak truth. When every search engine result takes you to a myriad of different web pages and they all speak truth. There is a day coming when there won't be fake news. When we can rely on things that we're told by those that are trustworthy. And we can rely on real news. No more lies. So, therefore, no more politicians, right? Or if there are, they can't move their lips, as, as the saying going. Whenever we open our mouths, we will speak truth. Have you ever lied? Doesn't feel good, does it? Seems a bad taste in your mouth. We don't want that in our mouth. We want to speak truth when the kingdom of God comes on the earth. In closing, I just want to turn over to Ephesians because I'm convinced that, that Paul got this particular passage from what we just read in Isaiah. Ephesians 6.12, he says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Think about that when we do internet searches. Think about that when we're on social media. Think about what our response is. So many times I've just wanted to just jump on that article and lambast everything that's been said. Think about it. You can't get it back once you say it, right? And it can be manipulated years later. We wrestle against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the same breastplate of righteousness that God has, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's reconciliation, isn't it? That if we are not having peace, if others are not having peace, it's because they need to be reconciled to God. And above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that is what Jesus said is truth. Thy word is truth.